You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Since 2009, HRN podcasts have been exploring the wide world of food, beverage, and agriculture. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is presented by Chemists in the Kitchen by LabX, a new video series spotlighting the power of chemistry and how science and food can bring people together. It's a love letter to science, cooking, and individuality. In the first episode, three chemists swap cookie recipes, and once they finish baking, they ship them back to the recipe's owner. Along the way, they share insightful information on how chemistry can help you become a better baker. Watch the first episode and subscribe to the series for free at youtube.com slash labxnas. Hi, hi everyone, welcome. Welcome to our, our last uh, session of Speaker's Corner. Thank you so much. I know it's uh, when you're busy tasting and you know you've got a lot of wineries to go through. It's a big deal to take, you know, 45, 60 minutes of, uh, out of the schedule. So I really appreciate it. And then we'll, you know, we'll try and be as um, precise but as comprehensive as, as possible. Um, so first of all, you know, I want to thank you, um, Heritage Radio Network, for being our, our partner. Um, and for um, recording this session. So any questions you will be asking, we know we'll go on record. <laughs> so be careful of what you say. Uh, so it's going to go on record, and then we will be publishing the, uh, the, the segment on the Heritage Radio Network um, you know, net, um, website and, and, and uh, audience, and also on, on, on Rural Wine. So we'll let you know when everything is, is available. Um, and also, thank you so much for the region of, of Castilla y León for supporting this, this seminar and also helping the growers present all the wines um, at, the, you know, at the fair. So we're very grateful. It's really nice to be able to offer this kind of diversity. So thank you very much. Okay, so we're going to taste six wines. We have, you know, everybody's here. So I'm going to try and keep it really concise. I think the, the idea for me is... is um, and, and there is variation from from the you know um, the, the placemats that that were created due to you know some wines not arriving and maybe a, a swap because some of the wines made made more sense. Also, I really was trying to get three wines, three red, three whites, three reds, and some some skin. Um, but we 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 ending up trying two whites, skin contact, and then and then four four reds. Yeah, we're missing number three as well. Thank you. So, you know, Castilla y León is, is a huge region. Uh, I think it's really useful to actually have the map. So you've got little maps in front of you. So whenever a, a, a grower will introduce themselves, then they can refer reference to it so you know exactly where, where we are. Um, so it's a huge region. You know, it's actually the largest political region in, 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 in Spain, which it's also one of the less densely populated probably region. I think we're looking at about 30 people per square kilometer or something that's very sparse in some parts. But also it's, it's home to a, a wealth of grape varieties, I think as we'll experience here. Um, a wealth of terroir from sandy to granite to mountainous to flatter areas to the Gredos. Um, so we're looking at it. It's very hard I think to tell the story within six wines, of course, uh, but the idea was just to pick six very different wines and six different terroirs to just focus on, on different stories. So without um, much ado, so we're going to start with wine number two. Um, in fact, to be honest, we should wait. Have we poured wine number three? Are we, are we, do we have, why, everybody's got wine number three? Wine number three is coming, okay. So maybe we, we can start with, um, uh, with wine number three. Um, because it's um, we've at the at the very last minute we decided that we were gonna change the change the wine and, and we were gonna have a red but in the end I think wine number three <clears throat> uh, having a, a, a fresher wine I think is, is, is good so um, I'm gonna pass you over to uh, to Thierry or, or Chu Chu Jensen um, who's locally known as the Crazy Dane in his home area uh, so perhaps you could tell us a little bit more about the project why you ended up in this corner uh, of, of the world and maybe show us where you're located and also obviously about the wine but also the you know, what the region is like where you are thank you so just 
and, and make sure we speak in the microphone to make sure that everybody can hear us and also we can record properly. Hello. Yes, my name is uh, Isabel. It's Chus. <laughs> That's my, my Spanish name. It's because I'm, I'm Danish and I moved down to Spain in 2016 and I have a very Danish name, which is Chu, and nobody can pronounce it. So quite easily, my new name was Chus, which is actually the nickname for Jesus. So in, in Spanish, you can be called uh, Jesus. Anyhow, anyhow, so I moved down in 16 to a little village in, it's called Famoselia, and we are very close. We are the last village before the border towards Portugal. So I don't know if you have your, if you have your map, then you can see the Dio Ribes. It's one of the longest uh, appellations in, in Spain. It's nearly 200 kilometers long, and it's following the, the Douro River from around uh, just uh, 15 kilometers west from Samoa and then until the river goes into Portugal. And then later on, you have other regions in Portugal. You have the Douro. It's, at the, it's one and a half hour drive from us. So it's and then it ends in, in or Porto or in Porto in Portugal. And of course, there are other regions, the most famous are the Ribeira Douro. The Douro is, I think, it's nearly 1,000 kilometers long. So I live there. I have the view of the Douro River. We are, and we have some great canyons, and actually the canyons, that means Arribas. In Spanish, canyons is Arribas, so that's why the area is called Arribas. It's a natural park, it's very beautiful. I'm not working for the tourist office, so I won't uh, say where you should stay and that kind, but it's a quite beautiful area. It used to be quite a huge wine area. In the 80s, there were more than 3,000 hectares, I don't know, the acres, in, in that. <laughs> there. <laughs> I don't know how many acres 3,000 hectares is, but it's quite a lot. And then during the 80s and the 90s, because they didn't get paid for the, for the grapes, the cooperative uh, run quite bad. They didn't pay their, their growers, so therefore they have take, taken up, they have abandoned vineyards. They have uh, sold the rights to plant to other regions in Spain. So therefore we only have around 200 hectares, but it means we have old vineyards and we have, I'm planting as well because there simply aren't enough anymore because the ones left, people are not willing to sell because it has been the family and their granddad. They remember they used to go there and pick up the grapes, blah, blah, blah. Anyhow, so that I have my little project. Uh, I have a, a little family. We live in a house. We have reformed an old distillery where we have our cellar. And then I'm the crazy Dane in the village because I do everything opposite the rest of the village. I'm the first one to harvest. The first year, people were shouting at me in the streets. You don't know what you're doing. The grapes are green. You're crazy, Dane. It's because I'm not a, I don't have any background in the, in the wine world. I'm an economist. I used to work in, in Copenhagen for the shipping company Maersk. So I'm very new to the wine world. So, but I just realized after the first year where I didn't have any acidity in the wine, I need to do something else. I harvested the first year. I did like the rest of the village. Harvested the same dates and the wine... It was decent. It was actually a very good vintage. The wine was decent, but I lacked a lot of acidity. So therefore, I decided to do the harvest in my way, and I haven't, um, I haven't changed since. So I'm still the one first one to harvest. So here we have the um, we have around 15 varieties in the in the Dio, in the Dio Arribas. On the white, we have the Doña Blanca, and we have another one called Puesta en Cruz. This is the one we're going to taste here. It's also in Portugal, it's called Rabigato. It's more famous there than in Spain because in Spain it's only in, in our region. Um, so Puesta Cruz is because it has two uh, bold shoulders and then has a long tail. So that's like a, like a cross. So therefore it's, you're put on the cross, the grapes are put on a cross. That's actually what Puesta Cruz means. And um, yeah, we harvested, uh, we have maceration around 12 days, whole cluster maceration, uh, only pombobos, no punch down. Um, we take it off, we press it, put it into old French oak barrels, leave it there, and then we bottle it. And that's actually what, what's in it. It has a tiny amount of, uh, of sulfites. It's at 18 in, in total. Uh, so it's, it's quite low. So I think... Um, that's more or less. Yeah, great. I, I, can you tell us, are you still the crazy Dane now, given that you're selling your wines <laughs> everywhere else apart from the village, and are people still calling you that, or things are changing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, no. Also because, we have, for example, now we have another project, uh, which they don't understand at all. It's because for every six bottles we sell, we plant a tree, so we have a little forest, and we are planting it in a, in a spiral. 
So you can actually, you can start in the outskirts and then you can just walk and walk and walk and go to the center and they don't understand it. They say, okay, why, why are you planting? Because also I'm doing cover crops. I'm the only one in the village doing cover crops because for them, everything which is green, which is not a leaf from a, from a wine, that's bad in the vineyard. It, you don't allow to have anything else. So they're standing, they're talking about me. They talk about me all the time, I know. Uh, but I'm, I'm quite used to it. And uh, the thing is that they have actually changed in the village that they are harvesting earlier than they used to do. But they will never admit that it has something to do with, with us. That's great. Thank you. Do we have any questions on, on the wine? Maybe let's take a moment to taste it and see if we can... I don't know if you want to tell us just a little bit more about you know, the vinification process and how, how it was made. Yeah, uh, we, of course we select in the vineyard. We select the grapes when they come into the cellar. And then we ferment in those plastic jars, 500 liters, those uh, red ones. It's called, in Spanish, it's called a barreño. I don't know what is the English name is, you know, a, a jar. It's Spanish, it's barreño. It's a barreño. <laughs> but it's actually, uh, it works quite well because you can, the roads, this is uh, old vineyards and it's quite difficult to get to the vineyards. So actually what we do is that we select also for, for some of the reds, we, especially where the road is bad, we select in the vineyard because just the road from the vineyard back to the rhinery, the, the grapes get crushed simply because the road is so bad. Uh, so we have already liquid in the in the jar or in the barreño when it comes into the winery. So we just put on a lid and then it starts fermenting. And uh, so it's actually, it's quite easy and it works very well because you don't have uh, contact with the must and the air. And then, yeah, it's it's there. And of course, I, I see that the maturation is, is going well and it uh, often does. And yeah, pump over, daily pump over in the, in the beginning and less at the end of the maturation. And that's it. We blend the free run juice and the pressed juice we blend. And it does also, it does the malolactic uh, doing the, uh, the maceration. It's, it's actually, it's very close to be dry when we, when we press it. Of course, the, the, the grapes we press, they have a little bit of sugar. It's more sweet than the, than the free run juice. Great. Because we do the whole cluster, I prefer, personally, I prefer the pressed uh, juice compared to the free run. It's like the pressed has more complexity compared to the free run. Thank you. Thank you. Perfect. So we'll move on to the next one. Um, and then, obviously, if you have any questions at any point, just you know, raise your hands and we'll grab the microphone to make sure that we record everything. Um, so we are going to taste wine number two next. Uh, from uh, Daniel Ramos. Um, so similarly, Daniel, you can give us a little bit of, you know, Daniel, you know, it's always confusing whether you're really from Australia or really from, 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 from Spain. Uh, so also, you know, how you ended up in that region with your family and yes, a little bit of context as to where we are, what the region looks like, the terroir, the soil, that would be great. Thank you. And also we're testing in 2015, which is uh, pretty remarkable. <laughs> Yes. Mm. Hello to everyone. Uh, Spanish or Aussie? Well, who knows? Here I am. I'm living in Spain. Uh, I've been there for 37 years, so I could say that I'm more Spanish than the, the Iberian jamón, no? So, um, uh, well, uh, we're in, a, in an area that is uh, that has become too cold Sierra de Gredos, or I like to call it just Gredos. Over there in the map, you can see it as the DOP Cebreros, okay, because the DOP Cebreros is about 70 to 80% of what most of the people know as, as a Gredos. DOP Cebreros was just established really soon in 2017. We were one of the last DOs to be made and uh, this was, uh, well, because most of the mayors in the area didn't get together and didn't want to put the name of Cebreros to the area. In Castilla, we always have these little disputes between the different towns and stuff like that, no? 
Like the town nearby should be our friend, but no, they are horrible and they are the worst and, and we hate them. And, and at the end, most of the people get married between the two towns, you know? Well, this is Spain. It's beautiful. <laughs> Chus knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> We're both crazy anyway. <laughs> well, um, Cebreros um, was just established. We started three wineries uh, with the opposite of nearly everyone. And nowadays, I have to say, we're 20 wineries uh, trying to work together, trying to do, um, trying to show, on top of all, the special region that we have and, and the special grape varieties that we have over there. Mainly two grape varieties. Well, mainly. I have to say that uh, you can only make two grape varieties with a DO, what is something really pretty and beautiful. Um, why? Because it makes it much more simple for all of you, no? Uh, if you're in DO, you can do Albillo Real in whites and Garnacha in reds, maybe with a little bit of Tempranillo that we've got in the area and Alicante Bouchet or Garnacha Tintorera as we call it over there. This is our high mountain range area. It's beautiful. One of the most beautiful sites you can see in, in the world of wine. No? So I aim all of you to come along and to well discover and see what's, what's going on. We're only an hour drive from Madrid. Of course, if the traffic is okay. If not, you know what, what could happen. Uh, high mountain range area, so we're talking about vineyards in high altitude from 700 meters up to 1200 meters. Two, grape, two main grape varieties, Albillo Real in whites and Garnacha in reds, and one of the DOs with one of the eldest vineyards in the world. So uh, we're talking about the vineyard, uh, the, the, medi the media of age in the vineyard is around 80 years old. So that makes it unique and, and really special. Um, we've got two valleys. On the, on the northern part, we've got the Alberta River Valley. That, is, that gives a fresher air to everything. And on the south, we've got the Tietar Valley that gives a, well, a bigger and a bigger wine and sometimes even softer than, than in the North Valley. From there on, uh, Albillo Real, that it's the wine that takes us. There's only a 10% planted of Albillo Real in the area. We have the same problem as, the, as in Arribas del Duero. So in 1980s, there were 12,000 hectares of vineyards. Nowadays, it's hard for us to reach the 500 hectares in the DO. Everything was ripped out, uh, sent for plantings to Ribera del Duero, some other uh, wine regions where they, they could plant. No? So we lost a lot of richness in the area with, with those garnachas. Uh, why is Albillo Real so important? Well, because it was the first grape variety to be there in the, in the area. Actually, it's believed that it didn't come from any other place, that the monks found it, found it there. I don't know. It just grew out of some seeds or whatever, the Cistercians monks, when they came in the 13th century. And, uh, well, it was quite renowned uh, by the um, writers in the in the golden era of uh, Spanish writers over there in Spain. Uh, Lope de Vega, Góngora, well, a lot of names that we could say. Well, they made a lot of odas or little poems about what became to be the vino precioso. Vino precioso is everything that is 100% uh, albillo. I believe that they were quite drunk when they made all these odas. Anyway, they were special guys anyway. Love to have fun. Um, from there on, uh, well, just 
the the grape variety. There are lots of albillos in the in Spain, but this one is called albillo real because it had uh, well, it was very appreciated by the royalty in Madrid. No, so that means that um, the they made a kind of DO in the 16th century where there were rules, things like you can add water to, to the wine, you can't, uh, there were selections of different plots. So it was quite a special region, no? And this, is, uh, this wine could be a little recreation of what they did, but with today's taste, no? So Vino Precioso is, uh, Cerberos Vino Precioso is a single plot of a very old vineyard, close to 98 years old. And I know that it's 98 because, um, well, it was planted the same age as one of the ants of, of, the, of who were the owners. And, uh, well, I make it, well, like nowadays, so I, get the whole bunch, I crush it, um, and when it starts to ferment, I press it and I put it into French oak barrels where it ferments and ages during one year. This is 2015, and uh, I always believed in, in the grapes and in this, in this vineyard, so I kept it because 2015 was quite a difficult harvest and I just kept it away, and last year started to show like this, and I said, all right, let's start to show it to the world. Um, well, the rest, I just hope you enjoy it. Thank you. Thank you. That was great. Um, so, you know, again, if, if we have any questions, don't hesitate to just raise your hand. Um, <clears throat> otherwise, I'm just conscious of, of time. You have a question? Come on. Could we, Martino, could you come and grab, sorry, grab a, um... I would like to know the, the production numbers. How many bottles of this wine do you produce every vintage? This comes from, from a special plot, as I say. And the production this harvest well, was very low. I don't know if you remember the, the climate of 2015. It was a little bit like the climate of this year. It was very warm. But in 2015, uh, something happened that it didn't happen this year. I would have wished that it would have happened this year. And that the plant couldn't resist the drought and so much heat. So in 2015, we had to harvest uh, from 6 o'clock in the morning. It was still nighttime, but there was some light coming along. And we had to stop at 11 o'clock in the morning because it was already 36 degrees. So um, uh, this is an early maturing grape variety. This is Albillo Real. So in the area, it, it's this was harvested the 1st of August. We were just fighting there with Jerez and some others to be the first ones, no? Uh, so uh, in this plot, there was very little produced, a little bit more than, than a barrel. So uh, that's what we were able to produce, and that's what makes it precious. That's why it's a precious wine. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. Okay, so moving on to the third one, which is number one on your tasting sheet. Um, so Mario Provira, uh, if you could take over and explain. So Mario can explain also why we're having a red wine when it was initially meant to be a white wine. You know, uh, in short, it's called UPS, uh, the, the, the problem. But let, tell us about yourself, the region where you are and, and the wine. Thank you. Hi. Sorry, because uh, in the first time, like say, Isabel is a white from one parcel of Valdesafia, but don't arrive the bottles and, well, just want to introduce you a red. It's a special red because it's uh, my first uh, parcel that I buy in 2013. So I'm originally from Barcelona, but I work in New Zealand, France, uh, California. 
And after when come back to Spain, start want to start my own project. And I started in Bierzo in 2010. Uh, start to rent two vineyards. And in 2013, I start to buy vineyards. And my first vineyard to buy is Villarín, the wine that we taste today. And nowadays we have four and a half hectares in property. It's very small property, familiar, and I do it all. And just if you know a little bit Bierzo, so the location is Bierzo, and inside of Bierzo, I'm in a mountain region. So all my vineyards is in uh, Aquiliano Mountains. For the reason my cellar is, the name is Aquilia. And it's a place with altitude, slate and quartz soil. Uh, all is in slopes. So that's that I want to do when I come back to Spain because I'm looking for a straight wines, uh, more acidity, less alcohol, less concentration. So I don't looking for a muscle wines or over extraction wines. So I'm looking for inside of Bierzo, more finesse, more floral aromas, and for the reason, go up to the mountain at 700 meters of altitude. And that's all, a little bit. So uh, today I introduce you Villarín. So it's only one hectare of 96 years old. Uh, Mencia, 100% is the variety. It's all pruning in tree. Uh, all the grapes is managing in organic certification in organic. And after the, the elaboration is very simple, it's a classic uh, vinification with uh, less contact with the skins, just one pump power for day. I don't want to over extracting. So less concentration, picking early always. I'm very focused in, like in France, like Isabel know that the, the people in France is very focused on the picking in the best time uh, so when finish the, the horizon and start the maturation, just want to pick in this point. So it's a beautiful point because you don't have too much fruity usually, but you have a lot of things like floral or most terroir sensations like the soil, like mineral. So I focus in this kind of wines for the reason when I start the maturation, I pick all the grapes in this time. So sometimes uh, the seeds or the skins are a little bit green that's okay, I know, but in the cellar I don't touch too much the, the grapes. So I have some green parts, it's okay, but I prefer a wines with 12 degrees of alcohol like this, with good acidity, fresh, and keeping bottle for a, for a long time. So I pick early this grape, Villarín, one hectare, east orientation. It's very beautiful orientation in the mountain. The east orientation is the sun of the morning, so very slow maturation and I can pick in the time that I won. Uh, just picking in cases of 12 kilos, go to the cellar and fermenting and aging in concrete tank. I love the concrete. When I work in Pomerol in La Flopetrus, I always using uh, concrete. And I buy a three uh, concrete tanks of these. And one of these is for Villarín. So fermenting, press after three weeks and come back to the concrete for a six months, more or less. Uh, around 40% is in the barrel, in the old barrels. I don't want to new barrels or something like this, just for round a little bit the wine, the using barrels, but I love the crushing part of the concrete. That's all, that's 21, it's a beautiful harvest. For me, one of the best since these 10 years. Have a good balance, low alcohol, good acidity, 21 is a beautiful harvest, and I hope that you enjoy this wine. Um, very quickly, are the vines ungrafted, if they are that old? Is this, are we talking still ungrafted, or no, they're grafted on, on rootstocks? The vineyard. The vineyard? Yeah. It's in su propio... Uh, this parcel is one of the first in, in this, but I have the old, like Valdezacias, 116 years old. It's not this. Okay, thank you. Okay, any questions? Let's move on. Um, so, Abel Moreno, we, so I think everybody's got wine number four, correct? So we're gonna move on to another red, uh, Via Love 2021. And, you know, I was reminding, you know, Abel, uh, that I've been tasting, you know, I remember receiving samples 
many, many, many moons ago and how the, the stars, I mean, you know, and, and this is true, I think, everyone, I, I love the fact that the style is getting more and more precise, more and more chiseled, more and more, you know, fresh. And of course, we've got some fuller example. But I think, you know, the, the terroirs are so amazing that you are capable of producing extraordinary wines of, of minerality. So anyway, over to you. Oh, hi. Hi, everyone. I'm Abel. I, uh, I'm from uh, Deo Tierra Albino. Uh, it's the orange in the, in the map. You can check it. It's the orange region. And we are in a little paradise in Castilla Leon. And we have a lot of kind of different uh, varieties. Uh, in our village, uh, people conserve some uh, vineyards, old vineyards, but uh, each year people are uh, cutting the, the, the old vineyards because the market, the industrial uh, market. So we are there trying to keep it the, the vineyards. And uh, we are a family, my father, my mother, and me. And well, I bring this wine, uh, Vialov, that is a Tempranillo, old Tempranillo. And we try to uh, recuperate, is what to say, recuperate the way of make wine from uh, old people in Spain. It's a kind of wine, fresh wine. It's the Tempranillo Preset. And we put a little bit of portion of grapes in the, in the, um, in the wine. Only 20% of, of grapes with all, with the rake, rake too, and stay like uh, two months with the, with the portion of the grapes. And then we, we take it off for other tank and we bottle. The idea is uh, a very easy to drink, easy drink uh, wine, because the wine is for drink. <laughs> so I don't know how much uh, can I, uh, Explain for you. You have any question? Can you tell us about the terroir, the soil? Ah, the soil. Uh, we have um, in our village. We have like a very Tertianian uh, soil. In the same uh, village, we have uh, in some areas we have like uh, clay, but in in the vineyard we have clay. This vineyard is only only clay. So. Is uh, the clay uh, get a lot of tannic in the wine? So this way of, of making it, we uh, get uh, a low um, tannic wine. So this vineyard is clay. So we have other other um, vineyards with um, uh, calizo, how se dice? Lambstein. Lambstein, But always we have a clay in the under under the under land. Question. Hola. Uh, how strict is the denomination? ¿Qué tan estricta la, de, la denominación? In terms of, in terms, in terms of um, uh, how much you can produce, how much you can do in the vineyard. Hi, hi. Okay. Uh, we actually don't uh, don't certificate with the DO because um, for us it's a bureaucratic uh, things. So for us it's uh, freedom. Don't don't get the, the DO. Uh, so I don't know how to answer the question because we don't we don't use it. But uh, for example. And first, when we started with the wine, we, we was in the Dio, but we started to make orange wine, and, and they don't uh, want the wine. They don't certificate the wine. So we, we say goodbye to the Dio. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so moving on, and we can always have more questions afterwards. Um, so naturally on, let's talk about your, your, your wine, Kachikan. Um, which is a multi-blend of white, red, it's a, it's a fill blend. Um, and also you can, we can talk about the design and because I know the project is evolving into something else. But um, I trust everybody's got all the wines now, so that's good. If you, over to you, talk to us about the wine. So, hello. Talking about my project, uh, I'm uh, living and working in the same place that uh, Mario 
The place is called Bierzo. It's northwest of uh, of Spain. I'm not gonna I'm, I'm not gonna talk about the soils because uh, he talked already, and uh, and the and the varieties. Uh, anyway, we are in a tasting. Uh, the we are focused probably in the variety because of the of biodiversity of the difference between wind around Castilla y León. Castilla y León is so big. We are in the northwest, and our influence is more uh, is far away from the Douros River. Our principal river is Sil. We can be considered Ribera del Sil, with three areas, Bierzo, Valdeorras, and Ribeira Sacra. Anyway, um, we have got our own personality. Bierzo is the topest place of the, of the river. So our wines have more tannins, more personality, and probably more ageability. Uh, a part of this, our personality has got differences. Mario is working in the eastern area, isn't it? But rather eastern, more altitude and later ripeness. I'm working in the western one, in the area around Villafranca del Bierzo. It's a very famous... Um, fabulous village because of his history and uh, the Camino de Santiago. Uh, the same as uh, Danny talked about the monks, probably the monks brought the culture of wine. They say in the past Romans made wine too, but monks around northern Spain are very important, probably from France. That's why the place is called Villafranca village from Franks, from French people. Uh, talking about me, uh, I don't like to talk about me. I began the project, I'm an agronomist, engineer in agriculture, and I began the project uh, like a joke, uh, like a hobby in 2006. And I want to recover all vineyards introducing organic farming. Why? The old people usually said that Mencia wines are not good for aging. The problem is that people who work the vineyard looks for quantity, no quality, isn't it? Two Spanish. And also, they use a lot of chemicals. Can we say poisons? <laughs> so that's what I try to do. How can I do a great wine, an international and a personal wine from a region? Leaving the plants communicate into the soil with their roots and their plants together. Not only vineyard, not only vines, we have got almonds, we have got cherry trees, we have got uh, also some herbs, roses, lavender, Natural, spontaneous. I do not add any seeds. It uh, takes time. In the beginning, the plants suffer a lot. It's hard. We miss a lot of grapes. And the grapes in some years are not really well balanced. But finally, we get the, we get the richness. We get the real soil. And, the, uh, and we uh, uh, get the life in the soil that help, will help us to do a personal wine. That's what I get in uh, 2013, uh, sorry, in my first vintage of Kachikan. Kachikan, uh, my main brands are Dementia, SNH wine, aging wine, and pyjama for a more daily uh, consume, consumption. Uh, and Kachikan, uh, I began with, uh, uh, I think it was the first time I was in raw wine, maybe probably in London or the, or the, or the, the first year. And uh, I, I began to introduce some techniques that for me are a little bit risky. 
Danny told me about the, the risk and the rock and the punky wines, it's something about this. The easier way to do wines is to follow a receipt. A receipt in English, received. I don't want. I, I don't want to do this. Kachikan is where, where the wine that I learned to do things more difficult, but more funny too. Um, this is the probably the last vintage with this label, because uh, I can talk about this. Uh, I, um, I didn't pay the money for the brand. So a big company um, paid the money and I don't have the brand. So doesn't matter. It's going to be untitled. But uh, it's a, a 19, uh, 19 uh, vintage. And uh, another very important thing to do, uh, to, to talk about this wine is that it's a brand new wine in terms of it's a, um, a wine that comes to this first and it's like so cool and it's fresh and we mix and we do not sulfur but it's a, it's a wine that is made and conceived uh, uh, looking to the past so I think um, uh, as uh, our vineyards are so old too, and uh, I think that our grandparents, our ancestors, make the blending in the ground, in the plant. So that's what I do. I choose a, a, a small piece in a, of a vineyard uh, planted in 1905 and it in open barrels and a barreño and I cannot remember the name in English, jam, and um, with steam and everything, all the things that you have heard about in this fern and this salon is uh, spontaneous fermentation, indigenous grape, low intervention. I introduced the wines in uh, old barrels, like uh, 10 years old, five months, a rack into, into a tank, and it was bottled almost uh, two years ago. And important for me, the blend, the natural blend that represents the history of my vineyard. Thank you. And then maybe you can show us your new... Does oh, yeah. that, oh, you didn't bring it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, sorry, I forgot. Uh, um, and the label was made for a friend of mine from my own time that is called Ponferrada. He's an artist, a painter, and we made the label with and the image. And I was like, we can't, we can't uh, use Kachikan anymore. I decided and on pandemic time, I stopped making Kachikan. And uh, in 2021, I'm, uh, I'm going to present this wine with the legal uh, label but without name. And, uh, and a I beautiful painting as well. Yes. Yeah. So oh, hand-painted. It's, it's a painting that I bought uh, to a friend. It's an artist from La Coruña. And it's, uh, it, the exhibitor is in a place in a, in a shop that is El Sagueral in Ponferrada. The painting, I think, is mine. But uh, if you want to paint. And uh, he made a personal bottle that I brought here that I want to show you. The artist is Jamal Williams. Uh, uh, 300 bottles made by hand. And uh, number, number them. So They're beautiful. As Thank you. Use the name of Dementia because he's resistant. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's great. Uh, and you can, you know, the the the, the, the label is beautiful, um, but you need to see it from up close to, I think, to appreciate it. Um, cool. So we'll move on to the next wine, unless anybody's got any questions so far. Um, and, you know, carrying on on the theme, because we're tasting some really old vineyards. I mean, just now, you know, 1905, Phil Blend, Red White. Uh, we're carrying on with uh, Tinta Fina, which is a Tempranillo, uh, you know, type of Tempranillo for, from Ribera del Duero. We're in 2014, and we have a 100-year-old vineyard. Um, so, Victor ne uh, Negro Gonzalez, over to you. I think you have, you have the microphone there. Perfect. Thank you very much. Uh, hello, 
uh, where I am Victor Negro. Uh, I am a little vineyard of uh, Ribera del Duero. We are in Place 8 in a little river, uh, Riaza Valley. A more uh, differential uh, place of the other Ribera del Duero. Uh, the project has um, a special philosophy, uh, easy but more important, that is a respect. Respect for my family, respect for the family. The project only worth uh, the family, my father, my mother, my brother and myself. Um, the other part is a respect for the history. In the Ribera del Duero, um, uh, left uh, the old vines because the production is really l low. And we... Um, um, recuperate the, the, these old vines and we selection, we make a selection the better plant and make a new plant and with this uh, new project to make a Cairo and uh, the third part is uh, the philosophy respect to the uh, natural we start to work Toward accreditation with the ecologic. Uh, some years later, evolutionized to the biodynamic. And we, uh, and now, and now uh, we make a practice for the um, regeneration uh, farm. I think that is more important the, the third part because we work uh, with the cultive and fermentation of the microorganisms. Uh, I think that uh, the important in this time that we live in the special contamination of the atmosphere. Uh, the microorganisms take uh, the stacks of the CO2 of the atmosphere and take uh, underground and uh, change to the vegetal material. And with this, the plant eat and uh, work and uh, take the aliment more equilibrated in the time. I think that uh, make that this equilibrate uh, give more virtue, more quality, more uh, expression of terroir and for this reason we work with a different uh, preparates uh, like uh, Bokasi or Hadam that uh, recuperate the uh, material organic at the process of the elaboration of the vines of the cellar. Um, the third part and fourth part uh, I think that is the more important is the time. I think the natural uh, make the process during uh, more time, and if we respect this time, the process of the wines is better, the quality is better, the harmony, the elegance, and uh, this uh, thing of this philosophy of respect, I think that gives a special and original wines. I present, I, uh, present uh, for the test uh, of top wine is Dharma, uh, in the world of the biodynamic, for me, it's more important the, the energies. Uh, for example, Masaru Emoto, the scientific, Japanese scientific, present the message of the water that in this uh, experiment uh, tell that uh, the water uh, give, the liquid give energy and make one experiment. Take uh, contaminated water, natural water, and uh, put in the fridge and uh, see that in the natural, the, the water crystallization in the hexagonal form. Uh, with this water, make the second part of the experiment, uh, one part with a, a positive word and the other part with a negative word. And see that in, in the same water, it change the comportment and in the natural and the, with the good words, um, conserve the, the hexagonal form and with the bad energy, uh, the hexagonal for uh, loose. And for this reason, uh, in the cork, we put the word uh, happy in Japanese for uh, with, when, when you work with a good energy, with a heart, you transmit a good energy to the vines, to the wines. And uh, for the Masarimoto experiment, uh, demonstrate that uh, you uh, give a good energy, you uh, give a good energy for the people that uh, drink the wines. And Dharma, in this uh, spirit of philosophy to the energy, uh, the meaning is the, the part of the body or the soul of the people uh, have two parts, it's uh, ego and uh, Dharma. Uh, for uh, Like example, uh, a Star Wars film, 
No, it's, this ego is a dark side of the force. Uh, this Darth Vader, and the other part is a Jedi. No, it's a happy, it's a f love, a, uh, this uh, good energy. And uh, if you give good energy, the wines, you give uh, energy positive. Okay. And the logo of the of this is a lot of flower. It's a special flower of the philosophy Japanese. And it's uh, important that uh, the, the bath of the natural uh, grow up uh, of the water and give probably uh, the wonderful or better or pretty flower of the world. The similitude is that uh, all vines abandoned in the Ribera del Duero we recuperate and may I think that uh, I hope uh, the better and pretty wine of the, of the world. Uh, I hope that enjoy and like the, this special wine. Thank you so much. Thank you. I mean, look, I'm aware that, you know, you probably have tons of more wines to taste, but we're happy to take questions, of course. If there's any questions to anyone in particular or about, you know, the region, Castilla y León, or micro regions, I don't know. Anyone, any questions? Let's go and drink. Yeah, so look, thank you so much. You know, I love the diversity. I think this really showcases the, the, the different styles that are coming out of the, vine the, the, the vineyards, the region. But also, I think it's really incredible to have so many old, old vines that are being, you know, I guess, given over to really careful vignerons and farmers. Um, and that these old vines are, you know, thriving and producing these extraordinary wines. Uh, because, you know, we have this is amazing heritage. And I think sometimes it's easy to be you know, flippant about them and just grub them, get rid of them. But I think Castilla Leon has so many wonderful old vines, but also incredible terroirs and diversity. And I think these six wines really showcase that. So thank you so much for coming. Thank you for showing us your wines. Thank you, everyone. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Since 2009, HRN podcasts have been exploring the wide world of food, beverage, and agriculture. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org.